It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Welcome one, welcome more, welcome all to a brand new edition of everybody's favorite podcast. Random thoughts and best regards. He used to reside in the 5-2. Now he spends his time at the truly beautiful intersection of smart and stupid. Some call him the handsome one. You know him, you love him. He's the voice of reason, T-O-double-D. All right, here we go. Let's get it. Another episode of Random Thoughts and the Best Regards. T-O-double-D here. And I am so glad that you could be a part of this week's show. Uh, right at the top, I want to thank everybody who tuned in to last week's episode of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. It was truly a special one, and I want to thank everybody for making it so successful. And I want to thank Ricardo once more for coming on and telling his story of survival and uh, telling and reliving the memories of that day in the South Tower. Um, just God bless and, and thank you and, and thank everybody who listened in to the show uh, and made it a truly successful episode. Uh, greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, got a fun, exciting show for you this week. That's that's for sure. Um, you know, and, and with the the passing of, of 9-11 and, and hitting the 20th anniversary this past Saturday, um, it got me thinking about the day after, honestly, September 12th. Um, and it got me thinking about, you know, as hard as it was to live through September 11th, 2001, September 12th, 2001 was also a very interesting time to be alive because um, there was a unity and a kindness and an apathy um, that was unprecedented to be honest um, the the love and kindness for each fellow man that day the apathy that we felt as a country that we felt for each other um, it was a, a very, very interesting day, and it's just so wild to me to think where we are now, uh, 20 years later, um, when we think about, you know, apathy and love for thy fellow man um, and, and unity. Um, it's just not there, right? We've got so many things dividing and tearing apart our, our country, whether it's politics or, uh, you know, the pandemic or, you know, storming our capitol building um it's it's just it's wild to to have lived through you know september 11th september 12th um and then to just see where we are just really got me thinking the other day about you know where we are and and where we've gone in the last 20 years and it kind of makes me want to harken back not that i ever want to relive what september 11th was but just the the apathy and um the 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 pure um, essence of being a human being on September 12th, 2021 versus how humans are are now. And we're going to talk about humans a little later uh, when Luis joins us and uh, we talk about his Twitch stream and, and some of the things that are going on uh, that I just recently learned about um, that are going on on Twitch. Um, it's just, you know, uh, humans can suck sometimes. Um, so we'll, we'll talk more about that later when Luis joins the show. Um, also, uh, you know, maybe in a couple weeks, 
I'll go ahead and uh, you know you, you've heard the stories about 9/11 and it being the 20-year anniversary. Um, but maybe in a couple of weeks I will share a personal story with you guys about uh, November 12, 2001. Um, there was another plane crash that day uh, in New York City, and uh, I have a very unique perspective on this because I was on a flight that was supposed to be landing at Newark Airport. Um, the same time that this plane crashed. Uh, it was an American Airlines plane that crashed over New York City, uh, killing over about 200 people. Um, but I was scheduled to land uh, at Newark Airport almost at the same time that this accident took place. And uh, uh, let's just say chaos ensued because uh, as you can imagine, being two months and a day after 9-11, um, a plane crashes in New York City and chaos breaks out. So imagine being on a plane that's supposed to land at Newark Airport uh, around the same time, and that'll kind of tell you the kind of day that I had and, and the, the kind of uh, panic that faced my, my family. Um, but uh, again, I think I'm going to save that for another episode when I have a bit more time uh, to devote to that. Um, because again, today we've got a great show coming at you. I really don't want to waste a lot of time. I really want to get into it. Uh, as I mentioned... Luis is going to join us later. We're going to talk about Twitch. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, devote some time to sports entertainment, professional wrestling later. We're going to talk about what's going on with AEW and the WWE. Uh, and uh, coming up out of the break, we're going to talk about the rights to nothing. We are going to talk about uh, how much Netflix and uh, also how much um, Paramount is paying for the rights to the Seinfeld franchise. Um, it is some, some astronomical stuff. It is amazing to me uh, how much value uh, some 20-something years later uh, or 30-something years later now that, that Seinfeld uh, is still able to command and draw and it is a reason why uh, it is definitely not only my favorite sitcom but the favorite sitcom of many people out there uh, we're going to talk about uh, the new homes the new streaming home and the new cable home and I'll tell you the cable home is big news because uh, TBS had that on lock for a very long time um, but Seinfeld will be on the move when it comes to streaming services and its new cable home. We're going to talk about that coming up out of the break here on Random Thoughts and Best Regards. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a short, short. About two weeks ago, I appeared on an episode of the podcast Get It How You Live, which of course, is hosted by Saul and Ross. A lot of you would be familiar with Saul. He's appeared on Random Thoughts and Best Regards several times. Uh, and in that appearance, which was a great appearance, by the way, if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend you go back and listen. It was, it was a lot of fun and, and a good listen. Um, but the guys ran me through a series of questions called the Sinister Six. And in those questions, uh, one of the things that I was asked is what I was currently streaming. And I'm going somewhere bigger with this, but I wanted to touch base kind of on that question first. Um, so the guys asked me what I was currently streaming, so I told them that I had started Doom Patrol, um, and I had only gotten through the pilot, and um, I wanted to kind of give an update to that, because I watched another episode 
uh, and then it kind of trailed off and I actually got distracted by Rutherford Falls which is on Peacock and is a funny uh, comedy featuring Ed Helms Ed Helms of course from The Office Hangover many other many other films you'd be familiar with him um, but anyway he's in this uh, sitcom on Peacock it's a Peacock original called Rutherford Falls and it's only 10 episodes um, but it was really funny really quirky and I, I just wound up binge watching the whole thing uh, over a two-day period and it was just really funny and quirky I enjoyed it I strongly encourage you guys to check it out if you haven't uh, it is a very funny sitcom um, also and, you know, I'll probably go back to Doom Patrol at some point. Um, but I've also now uh, started Titans on HBO Max. Uh, so I'm into season one of Titans on, on HBO Max. So that's kind of an update on, on what I'm streaming. Um, I also had a chance to watch uh, the WWE Network on Peacock. I got to watch um, Icons, and that's a series of documentaries. And I watched the one featuring Yoko Zuna. That was really good. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're a wrestling fan in the 90s, I highly recommend you uh, going and watching that. And I'm not so sure. Uh, in the near future, that might be an expanded uh, segment where I talk about that Icons documentary featuring Yoko Zuna. But all of that leads me into what I want to talk about now because it does deal with streaming services. If you go into the annals of history, the archives, so to speak, of random thoughts and best regards, you will find out that the very first segment on this show featured me talking about buying a script from the sitcom Seinfeld. And throughout multiple episodes now, you have all found out about my Seinfeld fandom and my love for the sitcom Seinfeld. Well, big news on two fronts that we didn't really get a chance to talk about um, because, of course, last week being our special tribute to the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and Ricardo coming out and telling his story, um, we're kind of catching up now on, on some of the, the other news of that week, some of the things that went on. And uh, there was big news on two fronts when it comes to distribution deals for the sitcom Seinfeld. So let's tackle the first one. Um, starting on October 1st, all 180 episodes of Seinfeld, the entire library, will move to Netflix. Rights were purchased somewhere north of $500 million dollars and they will air exclusively on Netflix this is the first time that every episode of the sitcom from 1989 which ran from 1989 to 1998 this is the first time that every episode will be on a single service globally and in 4k and this is really big news um I guess it doesn't come as a shock because, listen, Netflix has made Jerry Seinfeld a very rich man. I mean, I believe the deal struck in 2017 was for about $100 million, and that, that included episodes of Comedians in Cars and uh, I think one or two stand-up series that, that Jerry did. Um, so it comes to no shock to me that Netflix would shell out this much money 
to get the series. It also comes as no shock to me that um, that Seinfeld would do business with, with Netflix um, and continue that prosperity on his end. Um, it is just wild to me how, again, I mean, we're talking about a show that aired from 1989 to 1998. You all know the joke. You all know the pun. It was a show about nothing. And here we are in 2021. And the rights to that were just purchased for north of $500 million. That's just... That's just for the streaming. That's just for the streaming rights. However... However, this streaming deal affected the syndication cable deal. And I will explain this to you in a moment. Because this was very smartly done and very strategically done. I I will say this. The distribution deals for Seinfeld were aligned so that both the streaming... And the cable syndication rights both came up in October of 2021. So it wasn't like, you you know, maybe the broadcast television or the, the cable television rights would have came up in 2020. And then maybe the, syndica- uh, the uh, uh, streaming deal came up in 2021. Both of them were aligned. A very strategic move by uh, the studios to... Both of the rights for those, both packages came up in 2021. So let's shift gears now to what will be the new cable home for Seinfeld. And this is a bit of a shock to me, to be very honest. But when you start to understand how the deal fell apart, it does kind of make sense. Uh, For those who don't know, TBS, Turner Broadcasting System, TBS, uh, Turner Broadcasting Station, excuse me, TBS, part of the Turner family, um, has been the exclusive home for Seinfeld on cable television since 1998. So since 1998, so basically since Seinfeld went off of network television, when the last episode aired on NBC in 1998, the only place after that that you could see Seinfeld Aside from local affiliate deals, there were different local affiliate deals for reruns of Seinfeld in local markets. But the only place that you could watch episodes of Seinfeld were on TBS. And this deal ran exclusively from 1998 to 2021. And it will end this October. A 23-year run on TBS for Seinfeld. And Seinfeld was a go-to for TBS in their programming blocks. It was, it was on in the uh, morning. It had a block in the morning. There was a good portion of time where it had a, a block in the afternoon. Uh, that had since waned since they, they brought friends in on the network. But um, Seinfeld would air after when Conan O'Brien was on Seinfeld would air after Conan O'Brien whenever there was a rain delay in a baseball game a lot of times they went to Seinfeld Seinfeld was a go-to for TBS and as I said for 23 years aired on TBS but thanks to this new deal 
and I will tell you who is holding it now. Thanks to this new deal, you are going to be able to see Seinfeld on a lot more channels. And again, this is crazy when you think about it. You think about the Netflix deal, right? Just north of 500 million. And now you think about, we are in 2021. Seinfeld went off the air in 1998. In 2021, the sitcom Seinfeld is about to be, or not not about to be, the, the, the sitcom Seinfeld will be the most saturated it's ever been in the cable television market because Viacom is the new exclusive home for Seinfeld. And starting in October, Seinfeld will start its run on Comedy Central. That will be point A for Seinfeld. The New Deal will start in October, and Comedy Central will be the launching pad. However, from there, Seinfeld will also be seen on Paramount TV and on TV Land. And once the CBS Viacom merger is approved, Seinfeld will air on Pop TV as well. So you will now, with this new Viacom deal, be able to watch reruns of Seinfeld on Comedy Central, Paramount TV, TV Land, and Pop TV. You will have four networks, at, for now at least. And Viacom's a big family, so that could expand to more networks. But you will have four networks that you'll be able to watch reruns of Seinfeld on again. A sitcom about nothing that went off the air in 1998 is about to be the most saturated it's ever been in the cable market. It was exclusively on TBS in the Turner family for 23 years. One network was the only place on cable that you could see Seinfeld. And now, it's a whole new ball game. Viacom is paying roughly $250,000 per episode. I will tell you this, because I talked about the streaming deal earlier and how this became a key figure in this shift in dynamic. Again, TBS, 23-year relationship, airing Seinfeld. And they did a great job. They were, they were the custodians of it. Now, I will say, and it makes sense now, I thought in the last year they got a little sloppy with it. I didn't think they were airing a lot of episodes, and they were airing them at odd times, either very early in the morning or very late at night. But it makes sense now. I didn't realize the contract was coming up, and I didn't realize that this was going on. TBS was in the driver's seat to retain the rights. So TBS was the front runner. But what they were trying to do was link that to a streaming deal with HBO Max. Because again, same family. TBS, HBO Max, same family. Once HBO Max lost the deal, 
for the streaming rights and that went to Netflix TBS sort of found themselves out in the cold a little bit because the, the proposed deal had soured so basically it was going to be an all or nothing it was going to be HBO Max and TBS or it was going to be nothing at all so when Netflix came in and paid north of 500 million for the exclusive rights to Seinfeld that opened up the door for a new cable destination and that new cable destination is now Viacom and as I said both of these deals are effective in October so you'll be able to stream all 180 episodes of Seinfeld on Netflix starting in October and you'll also be able to see Seinfeld reruns on more cable channels than you've ever had the opportunity to in the last 23 years because on October 1st the deal will go into effect with Viacom they will kick off on Comedy Central and then from there Spiderweb out to Paramount TV, TV Land, and Pop TV once the CBS Viacom merger is completed. Um, so it is just wild to me how, again, and I, I know I'm beating this drum, but this sitcom went off the air 23 years ago, and it is still just making bank. I mean, it is insane. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I just brought two Pop Funkos the other day of, of Jerry Seinfeld. One from the first... Uh, it's, a, it's a Pop Funko of Jerry from the first episode. And then I brought a Pop Funko of Jerry with the puffy shirt. Because Pop Funko has released, for the first time ever, uh, a line of Seinfeld characters. So it, it is just amazing to me how this sitcom just continues to make bank. I mean, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm sitting here recording this segment in a t-shirt that says these pretzels are making me thirsty. So, I mean, you want to talk about just an impact in society. I I mean, Seinfeld, a show about nothing, right? It's amazing the mark that it has left uh, in the industry. and, And it's amazing, amazing that it is still able to command the high dollar amount that it does on streaming deals and uh, syndication uh, rerun uh, contracts that that it does and and the rights. Um, Kudos to them uh, because, again, I mean, they just continue continue to make bank. And uh, Jerry Seinfeld continues to be a a very rich man, uh, and that will only grow. Uh, Netflix was already padding his bank account, but it will be padded even more now with the new Netflix streaming deal and the new cable rights deal with Viacom. Today's random thought. I know I can't be the only person who hates these new Applebee commercials. Right? I mean, come on. There has to be other people out there who can't stand them as much as I do, right? And that's today's Random Thought. Hi, I'm Dana, and you might remember me from such random thoughts and best regards episodes as the Great British Bake Off and Explaining True Crime. Todd is as handsome as they come and has a voice to match, and you're listening to Random Thoughts and Best Regards. Listen to in over a dozen countries on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Go listen, laugh.
All right, right now on Random Thoughts and Best Regards, let's go ahead and welcome back to the show a good friend of ours. He appeared in Season 1 and in Season 2, so quite naturally he'd be back for Season 3. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way up to Chesapeake from Maryland, welcome back to the show, Luis. Hey, what is up, Todd? How? I'm doing well, you know, up here in the north, you know, kind of seeing fall a kind of actually occurring you know, when the <laughs> occurring trees. the leaves the leaves change <laughs> other places yeah you know i actually can wear a sweater outside there in, you go in the beginning of september <laughs> that crisp fall air yes so I'm, I'm i'm glad to have you back on uh since i guess i can update everybody a little bit since the last time you were on you've since now moved up to Maryland, you're attending the University of Maryland as a grad student. So very, very proud of you and, and you with that. Thank and you. Uh, as you as you said, you're you're making that adjustment to sweater sweater weather. I'll get that word out. Sweater weather. <laughs> yeah, I am. You know, it's really cool. You know, going um going from working in the professional field into you know going back to school for grad school. Um, I'm going for lighting and media. And um, the reason why I specifically chose UMD is because they just got a uh, a nine million dollar grant from you know some the donor was related to one of the co-founders of Google and oh. or sorry Microsoft and okay. long story short they donated a lot of money to the program and uh, my program was I'm one of the three recipients of this money and um, I get to basically. Uh, do a hybrid system of two different programs and then basically um, try out this new technology that's coming in and basically finding ways that, um, you know, digital and analog theater can exist um, in symbiosis uh, in regards to like, like actual performances in real life and then performances digitally. So it's, okay. it's going to be like a, I guess, I guess it's like the new renaissance of art going down right now, especially after the pandemic and everything. That, that, that is awesome, my man. And we definitely uh, I want you to come back on from time to time and update us to how that's going, because that definitely is of course. Cool. And I want to keep tabs on that. Uh, I do have something that I want to talk to you about today. But before we get that there, I want to I want to jump the, the cart a little bit um, yeah. because you saw the new Marvel movie, right? Wow, oh I marvel, my. I marvel mouth that you saw the new Marvel movie, right? Oh my God, Shang-Chi. Oh my God, Shang yes. Shang-Chi. So I, I, I'm guessing by the oh my God, pause. I haven't seen it yet, uh, but I'm guessing positive reaction from you. Um, Yeah, all I can say without spoiling it is it is some of the best martial arts I've seen, period, on Marvel's filming, um, let alone any martial arts. You know, we had Iron Fist as a TV show, but uh mm -hmm. You know, Shang-Chi really uh, captivated not only the essence of what um, Mandarin culture was, but also the essence of what um, the soul of being a, you know, person of a color, um, given this big responsibility uh, as a quote unquote superhero, um, and also trying to find out his self-identity in his family. Um, so it was it was really cool. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's also I really enjoy the fact that um, you don't really have to watch the whole Marvel franchise to understand what is occurring in the movie. Okay. Yeah, like obviously you'll need some references from Iron Man, but like mm -hmm. 
you know, my fiance has hasn't seen the TV shows yet, the new the Disney Plus movie shows, okay. and um, we still watched it, and she still loved everything about it, and there was like no form of um, spoilers of oh, of nice. what has what she has missed. So okay. I think that's what I really enjoy, and I think this is definitely a new shift in where the franchise is going now. After um, and you you're know, you're a fan of the shift, the appeared direction. Uh, I really going. am. I kind of am. I think. I think. Obviously, you know. With, I feel like they had to establish this first phase of Marvel to get people to understand what superhero films are. You know, they had to bring out the realism of comics, and I feel like now that we have so many movies in the franchise, uh, we, and by we, I mean the the MCU Marvel universe is finally able to branch out and yeah yeah i am a huge fan of the shift um so uh what i really enjoyed about what the marvel cinematic universe did was um they didn't drop us right into the whole concept of what marvel is you know it's such a vast storytelling narrative you know we have Mm -hmm. you know we have superheroes that range from captain america who's like all about fists and you know pride and the leadership where then we're now leaning towards more of that dr strange eerie like spiritual sorcery type of thing so it's nice that they started off in like the realism of marvel okay you know and now they're branching out and trying out these very um non-traditional ideals you know that one might not know if they've never read a comic or um, you know, dived into the video games or the animated series and stuff. So um, it's I'm really excited to see kind of where they're going to go with this. And um, nice. I feel like with this new phase, I feel like it's going to be unique. It's going to be different. And I there's going to be two types of people. People that are going to love where they're going <laughs> or people uh, that are going to hate it so much that they're going to miss, yeah. um, you know, characters like Captain America and Iron Man and all that. Yeah, but I think sometimes taking a, a different, uh, you know, if you keep doing the same thing long enough, it just it, it wears on you. So I think taking it, um, it's probably going to be a good thing. I'm excited. I'm, I look forward to see uh, most definitely nice. where they are going with it. Now, you mentioned games in there, and, mm-hmm. and one of the things I wanted to have you on today, the main crux of, of why I wanted to have you on today, Luis, was you. Um, let me let me have you do this. Let me let me set the the table um, because it's an area that I'm not too familiar with, but. You are a content creator on Twitch. You have what? What are they? Would you be? Would you be called a Twitcher? What? what so, um, so tell us. Go ahead. Plug away what you plug. Plug away your your. Wow! Look! Look at here! Wow! Okay. I guess it's like a show, right? It's a show. And this. Yeah, it's uh, my channel. Like okay, your channel. You know, like um, yeah. So you gotta help. You gotta help me get here because. Hey, you know what? And that this is the thing, Todd. You're not alone in this. I feel like um, Twitch and different platforms like uh, YouTube, Facebook Live, all these things are starting to become brand new. That um, very similar to um, the idea of streaming, like uh, Netflix. You know, once one comes out, so many other ones come out as well behind them, trying to yeah. catch up. So um, Twitch is a uh, streaming platform in which um, it, it, it is known for video gaming. 
but in reality it's uh it's a community where you can stream anything you want and there are people there to watch you do what you want so for example okay. you know i i play video games um i play a variety of games on my channel um okay. and people follow me you know i um i play a lot of pokemon games mario kart i play um a lot of nintendo based games um okay but then i have a lot of friends that also stream that um their streams are building legos per se like they literally okay. just go on stream and they they bought they bought an awesome kit and they want to build these 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 things in front of an audience um and then okay. you, there's people that just talk you know um like podcasts you know like what you're doing todd but they add a camera in front of them and now it's okay. like a talk show between two people so um Twitch is more just like the platform and then the content creators like myself get to use that platform to showcase any form of art or um, ideals that we want to showcase to an audience that is interested in watching us. Okay. So is it um, my head, and if I'm wrong, correct me, but my head, the way you're explaining to me, it almost seems like um, sort of youtube on some like performance enhancers where you have so you have like you know I, I go on i build a lego set like on youtube and i do a video right but then with this you're kind of building a lego set and then you have the element of live interaction is that yeah yes um okay. so youtube also has a similar thing but think of it like that think of it like a live video okay. that you would see through youtube i think the big thing about a platform like twitch is um the interaction the connection between the content creator and the person viewing and okay. i think what makes twitch really cool and unique as a platform is um the viewers there's a chat feature where the viewers can talk and then the person that's streaming will see a live chat occurring and i think what really sells a content creator is that interaction where you know let's just say you post something in the chat and me as a content creator you know i could be like oh my god todd you're right like yes like the fact that the audience member is able to hear their username being said mm -hmm. through a content creator and seeing it live on a screen it's that sense of like whoa you know like they're building they're building this community and i'm a part of it and i'm helping them create content for their channel you know okay so i think that's what differentiates between twitch as a as a platform and like a youtube video that you hit play you watch it on that's it you know got you, got you. Well, mm -hmm. well thank you for breaking that all down for me um yeah, because again i there are there are certain things that i try to catch up on and and you know i just it was kind of a running joke a few weeks ago when i when i did the segment on only fans because i didn't realize that only fans was was uh, what it was um but you know i try i know i know things surface level um you know obviously doing a podcast of, things of that nature I, i'm kind of kind of familiar with new media but then there's just some things that just you know twitch is, is kind of out of my scope um mm -hmm. but one of the reasons why i wanted to have you here is because i know you do this and number one i wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about what you do on twitch um but also i read something this week uh, that was kind of disturbing to me because i didn't even realize it was a thing um and then i reached out to you and we talked about it a little bit more and i said oh i really want to talk about this on the show but you know you talked about interaction being a large part of Twitch. And I know recently um, there's been some hate rating, right? And there's yeah. some other, can you explain what's going on? There was recently, I, I believe, uh, 
a lot of a lot of people like yourself who are on Twitch had a, a, a day away from Twitch the other day to kind of protest um, and and kind of stand up for your protection. Um, can you explain to me what's going on in that world right now and kind of what? And help me with some of the terminology. I, you know, I pretty much think I can understand what hate rating is, but let's go over that. Explain to me how it happens, how it works, and just some of the other things that myself and maybe some of my listeners may not be aware go on uh, in this world. Because you know, we sometimes we don't realize. You know, humans suck, um, and this to me is another. This to me is kind of another example of that. So yeah, uh, can you kind yeah, of walk so... me through this a little bit? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you basically kind of hit all the things that, um, that has been occurring right now on Twitch. Um, so, uh, for those that don't know, uh, there's this idea on Twitch and there's this thing called raiding, um, which is, you know, raid R A I D, you know, raiding. And the concept of raiding is I'll put it in this perspective. All right. Uh, you and a friend go to a bar and y'all befriend two people. And then you four are like, yo, let's go to a different bar. You four then go to a different bar and then you befriend two or more people. And then that group is like, let's go to a different bar. And then the group grows and grows and grows. Correct. Okay. And that's how you, you know, you befriend people that way. Think of that concept of bar hopping. Like so that rating. part of it is a positive aspect. It right? is a very or positive no, aspect you're because you're trying to grow your audience, right? Exactly. So the okay. way rating works is, um, you know, I'm a I'm a content creator. I'm live, and I have like let's say 10, 15 viewers, right? Um, at the end of my stream, rather than closing off, I say let's raid someone, and what that basically means is I see another streamer of mine that's either a friend or someone that's playing a game that's similar to what I'm playing uh, is live. And okay. let's just say uh, they're a small streamer. So it's our way of um, passing viewers from our channel to a different channel so that they can grow as a as a content creator and then those viewers that came from my channel to them you know they might like the person that they're watching and that is a connection that they may have never noticed until this raid occurred um so it's a very positive way of kind of building your community showcasing support for young uh for other streamers usually it's uh -huh. for smaller streamers um okay. and it's a it's a great way to kind of branch your network um on twitch um it's really interesting um it, there's like a there's a infograph out there where um you see basically the web of who is connected to who on twitch and it is very 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 detailed and like you can see who came from who and oh, wow. um it's super cool it's super cool to kind of see that you know this movement of raids is 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 effective because um it helps you grow you know honestly i uh i became an affiliate which basically means um i i reached a certain quota uh requirement from twitch to then uh basically start getting paid to stream okay. like people can donate to me people can subscribe to me and such and um it was all because of people that i played with um liked who i was and then when they were live and i was live they at the end of their stream just raided me and then their followers gotcha. found me out and then i grew from there so um, it helps you so... get to a certain level Okay. exactly it helps you get to a certain level and also helps you um i'm gonna be real it feels good to be rated because you're just sure, like sure. it's like wow these people are here they actually like who i am they're following me they're subscribing and um 
it's 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 a it's a fun thing and uh there's yeah. more cool elements that happen uh at, with a raid but um that's the foundation of what the concept of raiding is uh, yeah and Twitch. i think anytime when you do something even like this i anytime you grow your audience it is a good feeling um, exactly so um, I can imagine that kind of pop-up effect of, of growing your audience in that moment. It's got to feel great because you're like, oh, yeah, it's happening. Um, right. So, mm-hmm. um, so now, how does this what, how does this take a left turn and, and go bad sometimes? So, or, or um, what, is, what is plaguing Twitch right now when it comes to this? So um, you mentioned hate raids. Um, so hate raids takes on the negative approach of what a raid is. So um, what is occurring right now on Twitch is um, there are millions upon millions of bots accounts, which basically means there's an individual that is creating fake accounts on Twitch and uh, basically um, liking each other and creating their own network of a bots quote unquote right like uh think of it like uh spam you know like there's there there's like these emails and uh these phone calls that you're getting from spam you know they're always talking about the same stuff car warranties and all that stuff think of that same ideal of phone calls but as a virtual profile on twitch so these virtual profiles are gathering together by these group of individuals that are creating them and rating um Twitch content creators that are people of color in particular and are posting in the chat in their chats very uh, sexist racist and honestly very grotesque uh, content on the chat so it completely negates the idea of what rating is in the sense that it's supposed to bring joy but actually brings fear um, because there are people basically dropping the n-word saying very vulgar words i saw a twitch streamer um talk about how uh there was a a hate raid that happened to her that uh they were posting links to their chat and when you clicked it it was a video of of like um people of color being harmed in some way so it's that bad you know and the problem about it is it's the internet you know there is there is it's hard to limit and control those type of things that being said um there was a streamer uh, a content creator by the name of wreck it raven who uh started this movement called hashtag twitch do better and it basically she had enough of this you know was like you know why are we getting why is it that the people of color on twitch and not just people of color now it's now any person that is not um a cis white man basically yeah i i, I getting... read a little bit the other day that it was it was uh targeting people of color um you know uh trans people from the lgbtq yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. all of that and um wreck it rabbit had like started this movement called twitch do better and which um she went on twitter and basically was like twitch you really this is your platform like you should be responsible for the safety of your your content creators and create equality like racial equality um yeah. and racial equity basically because um you know it was happening for a couple of months and twitch was silent about it so um record started this movement for us to 
to start basically telling our stories of what have happened on our Twitch channels. So um, it, it started this momentum, um, and it and it started showing that uh, started showing content creators that they weren't alone. Like there's a lot of other people out there that have been dealing with these same sort of hate raids and online harassment. That um, you know, it it started creating a a a. A union, basically, you know, an okay. awareness, like a unionization of us basically mm -hmm. trying to bring awareness of this issue. And um, Twitch came out with an announcement, you know, afterwards and was like, um, we understand what you're doing. Uh, we understand the issues that are occurring, but we cannot tell the public what we're doing, because if we do, then these people that are creating hate raids will find out about it find and they will it. basically go around it, which one i totally understand the problem that came with that statement was they were basically like just use the resources that we provide already to stop these hate raids which we have been using you know we've been using their resources and they were not effective what so, are some of those resources um a great resource for example is um viewers uh content creators on twitch have the ability to change their uh chat conversations to just people that are following them um okay. or are just subscribed to them so that really limits you as a content creator to have visibility out there because if sure. you change your channel to just a specific type of viewer um anyone off potential exactly people finding you new audience members exactly so that is one thing they said another thing they said was to um clear chat you know we have a button that is able to just clean the chat but like okay. when messages come every millisecond and you're getting like 50 it's hard to keep it's... clearing chat and yeah. it it really kind of demoralizes you you know it's just like wow like this isn't fun this is terrifying and now recently with this being a brought to light and all the um the issues that are occurring to these people of color streamers um now a lot of these hate raids are now what are uh what is called they're doxing which is d-o-x-x-i-n-g doxing okay. now doxing is the next form of online harassment that is quite terrifying um so doxing basically means uh, your public information is leaked to everyone that um, is watching you or it is leaked on the internet somehow. Oh. So that basically means you are not safe anywhere, period. You know, like for me and a lot of content creators, we don't really like to talk about our private lives on our channels because... Understandable. Um, at any point you know anyone sure. can get you know it, it takes that one like slip of an address or one slip mm -hmm. of a phone call for something bad to happen so yep. you know a lot of streamers respect their privacies and they know that when they stream they have fun and there's some things that you have to keep personal so what doxing does is basically all that all that privacy that you have kept to yourself and your loved ones gets put out into the internet and um that's when a lot of very terrifying things can occur for example there's a night there's this thing called swatting i don't know if you've ever heard of that before mm -hmm. um so swatting basically just means... basketball shots man just, just basketball <laughs> shots <That's Swat>. cool. <laughs> nothing but swat <laughs> well um so with swatting uh it basically means um 
a SWAT team gets called to your house. God damn. Yeah, dude. Um, so, uh, and that occurs because someone got access to your public address and they called the SWAT and basically were like, there's a terrorist that lives at this house and you God. get swatted. Luis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. This shit is wild. Yeah. The internet is no joke, man. Um, so, so that's why, um, this new form of online harassment God. is, is very terrifying and stressful and no like people of color on twitch just don't feel safe anymore and that's horrible because there have been yeah. streamers on this channel on this platform that have been doing it since it's it's it's, it's existence <sighs> and now they're basically having to succumb to these hate raids and that's why this movement that happened on September 1st, uh, it was called hashtag a day off Twitch, um, was created because um, we had enough. You know, we were done with Twitch not making any changes to this platform and ensuring the safety of all of us that Wreck It Raven um, was like, we need to do something. So this movement came out from, you know, grassroots movement we all were like let's let's do this 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 let's do a, a boycott like a, a sit-in you know uh -huh. we're gonna not we're gonna do a blackout day we're not gonna go on twitch and it wasn't because we wanted to just be like yeah we don't care about you twitch we just wanted to show that we can make a difference and we can affect sure. the yeah. platform which it did you know a I lot of effect people, change exactly and you know the big problem that came with a day off twitch was there weren't many big streamers supporting this movement a lot of the big streamers that are called partners that basically work with twitch as a company um were quiet you know and um does it affect it, them less like are, are they it does affect them the, less are the hate are the hate raiders and and the docs thing and everything does that happen to the more and i, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way but the more marginal streamers like <laughs> Um, do they go you, after the smaller no. fish basically they get the they... smaller fish for okay. sure but okay. that doesn't mean that they don't affect the big streamers the as big well, fish as well. Some, okay yeah there's been some big stuff going around right now there's this one twitch streamer um named oh my god oh i forget her name um but um she's like one of the number one streamers on twitch and uh a couple of weeks ago her farm or something got burnt down and God. um and nobody knows who was the clause and stuff but pe a lot of people believe that it was because of these type of like doxings that has been occurring so um so yeah man it's wow it's scary it's scary to be on twitch um another thing too now that's occurring is you know we have these hate raids coming from bots that um are specifically made to comment negative things about chat now there's these new bots being created that um if you click their account your ip gets tracked they gain access to the ip of your computer which indicates the location of where you are your computer access everything oh so um that's another element of this that's happening on twitch but that's like even bigger than what is it's not even bigger but it's like a different tier of harassment that's happening um Oof. so yeah man it's been it's been a so, journey 
I gotta know, Luis, as a as a content creator, how do you approach all of this as a, as a host and as like how do you? I mean, because clearly this has to come into your your daily thinking every time you stream. How do you? Of course, as a host. Well, as a host, I did I did a lot of things. One, I actually um, there I have this like hockey uh thing where i can control my stream via like this thing called a stream deck which is oh, basically okay. like a yeah. like a hotkey it's like a keyboard basically yeah, that's very, specifically yeah, very familiar, programmable very familiar right right mm-hmm. um so i have a stream deck and i have a button that's specifically called hate raid and okay. if i get hate rated i press that button and it changes my channel my my chat to just subs um it clears chat it um, disables all of my notifications on screen, and okay. it it's basically a self defense mechanism to make sure that sure. my my priority is I don't want my viewers to feel terrified. So that is me, my big thing. Let me ask you this: as as a host and, and and sitting in that chair, and clearly you're live. You know, there's an element of of what I do that's that's different versus what you do. Is like you know when you pre-record something you have the magic of editing when you're live and you're in that chair and you see this happening how do you handle it do you do you ignore like i don't i know you're not ignoring it but but do you ignore it to your viewers or do you address it or like because clearly you don't want to i'd imagine you don't want to draw attention to it but how do you handle that in that live moment and you see something's happening and you know that you got to continue doing what you're doing because a lot of people don't realize that when you're live on the air, you want to try yeah. to continue continue doing what you're doing. But a lot of times, I know this from doing live things all the time. You know, you you don't want the viewer to know something's going on, but sometimes behind right. you, there's like 10 million things going on. So how do you handle that in that in, so, in that live instance? In that live instinct, uh, what I will what I would do is um, I will let I will have. I feel like I'd have to tell the the audience because they're watching it on their screen because sure. there's the video and then the chat is right next to it. So you, I'd have to confront it. My philosophy is if I end my stream during a hate raid, they won. They Fair enough. cleared I, I, their objective. Fair enough. I understand that. So my my thought process if, in that in that moment is one are my viewers safe Two, let me make sure i can do any everything i can to not show that they won or and three make sure that i have all the resources i can do on my own to stop this raid in its track um so it's i'm gonna be real it's it's not easy um, I can say all this all I want, but in the moment when it does happen, like all of this can just fly out. It's you know? got to be unnerving. Sure. Exactly. Sure. Um, you know, I would feel quite terrified uh, to to do that, uh, to be in that situation. And um, in reality, I just I would have to think of this situation as a fight or flight situation and in that moment i would probably fight because it's my content i'm proud of what i'm doing and i should not let any other outsource uh any other outside force stop me from creating my content that being said um i have seen streamers um post videos of them and the reactions and hate raids and it's tough to watch todd like it's 
it's sad because you can see that they're trying their best to comfort the viewers and themselves but when you constantly see the same negative message over and over and over on your content on your on your channel it just it demoralizes you you know it just is like wow like racism is real you know and at the end of the day i'm gonna be less than you know and it it's rough uh it's it's, one thing rough it's one thing and i do think i realize now the the stark difference it's one thing between and i don't condone this either but it's one thing if somebody's like trolling in your comments Mm -hmm. it's another thing to take it to this level right yeah yeah Um, like trolling is one thing like you can you can ban them and that's fine but like that's it's like one person versus like 30 or 40 people like it's 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 a tough battle and um it's it's unfortunately a battle that these hate raids have been winning and that's why we've been doing uh these hashtags this twitch do better and had a blackout day on september 1st um i think what really upset a lot of us as streamers was um twitch has been silent throughout all of this and their whole thing is they've been trying to create a equity diversity and uh diverse and inclusive community and yet you know the things that they're preaching is not happening so it's it's a stab in the back and it basically puts us in a situation where it's like if they're not there for us then who is so and let me it's terrifying let me let me ask you this Luis, because that i think is my next logical question um if they're not there for you then who is has there come a point um so basically is have you thought about or is there another platform that you could possibly move to have you thought about walking away from twitch have you had the conversation of is this worth it like like where where has your mindset been in all that you know todd i'm so glad you brought that up actually because um there's this big thing happening right now on twitch where twitch is losing their biggest streamers um and they're signing contracts with youtube okay um and that's just off the top of my head that's where my thought process was going again not knowing uh-huh. enough, so that's why i'm curious to hear your explanation on this yeah i feel like for anyone that's listening and is a con- is is considering being a content creator or is a content creator um my word of advice is do not stick to just one platform branch okay. out because at any point something can happen and you may lose the platform that you're on a great example only fans you know like with yes. OnlyFans, the thing the movement that the thing that just happened it just got canceled but the idea that you know there was um a lot of you know like sex workers like making a lot of money and living off of OnlyFans, and they were that was their only platform and when the announcement of all of this non-suitable for work things being banned from the channel it really scared a lot of them and there was a lot of far like there was a lot of um arguing and obviously they they changed their their plans for what they originally announced but it's that same idea you know like at any point something that you're on can go away and i think that's the way the internet works period so like it's nice to branch out that being said 
I have only streamed on Twitch mainly okay. because um, I have developed a, like um, a small community in there. Mm-hmm. And also, um, this isn't a professional thing for me. Like, this is just a hobby. You whereas, enjoy it. Yep. Exactly. I'm doing this for fun. It's not. I it's can, it's fun, not profit. I can 100% relate. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Um, so if you are wanting to be a professional content creator and make that your life 100%, that's when you need to branch out. Like, do TikTok as well. Do YouTube's. Do twitter like anything you can to get yourself out there do it um so you know i personally i'm gonna keep sticking on twitch for a bit there is a new uh twitch there's not a twitch it's another platform that's coming out soon in november called all star all star and i I believe it's called all star and it's a platform where their um mission statement is their priority is the health the mental and physical health of streamers on their channel. Oh, okay. And the way they do that is by making sure that the focus of your stream is not the profits that you win from it. And the, it, you're focused on the community and the content that you're creating. That Because that, unfortunately, is one of the negative things of being a content creator on Twitch is um, at the end of every Twitch stream, you get an email from Twitch giving you your stats of how okay. you did on your channel. And to some people, that's great. You know, that's cool to see that you're improving. But for those content creators that are small and are getting, you know, small numbers, it it hurts and yeah, it kind yeah. of forces you to kind of push yourself to and an un- to a level of uncomfortness so that you can get to that level of yeah. How do I how do I pull more people in? How do I spice it up? Exactly, I, and yeah. that and that's when you start spiraling. You know, that's when you yeah. start you know going down a negative path. So mm-hmm. the fact that there's like a platform that's coming out that is prioritizing the health and the com- and the content of a streamer rather than the profits um, is is something I'm super interested in. Um, it's not out yet, but um, you know I signed up. Uh, just for fun and see if okay. I get selected. But um, if I do, I think I'm definitely might transition to that and see how much of a um, how much of a difference it feels um, between, between the Twitch two. and yeah, and Alice All Star. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting topic. Uh, again, like I said, I did not realize how I didn't realize it was as much of an issue as it as it is but i'm glad that i stumbled upon it i'm glad that i had you to explain it to me because as i said before i think this is definitely something that needs to have a light shed on it and i know a lot of people may not be shedding light on it um so that's why i kind of wanted to use my platform uh to have you on and talk about it and as always i I love just having a chance to catch up with you um and you certainly you certainly grew my brain today. So as always, Luis, I, I appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on before I let you get out of here? Um, uh, if you are on Twitch and you're interested in seeing my content, uh, my name is uh, Inkin underscore Descent. Uh, I, um, 
yeah uh i do an assortment of games uh, i'm really a type of streamer that likes to talk to my viewers so i play a lot of games that lets viewers play with me and you're able to play and i'm trying to cultivate my my motto on my stream is i'm trying to cultivate a fun engaging and most importantly inclusive environment so um if anyone is interested in seeing my stuff you're more than welcome to check it out give it a follow and yo let's be friends I, I love it most definitely go <laughs> go check him out and uh, you go hit those books and get straight A's alright buddy oh we'll see man I think I need to learn how to sleep that's the most important thing <laughs> well that's also important too so. <laughs> so, but uh, again always a pleasure and uh, thanks for coming on and I definitely want to get you uh, back on at some point and uh, we'll follow up on how school is going uh, you can update us on your work of course. Thank you so much, Todd. I appreciate it, man. All right. So, sounds good, my man. Be, be well. You too. Hi. This is Matt Farragher. You might remember me from your visit to Epcot Center circa 2000, 2001. I'd like to talk with you about my favorite brand of vegetarian chili. But first, let me tell you about my favorite podcast hosted by someone named Todd. You're listening to Random Thoughts and Best Regards, available on Apple google spotify and more go listen and laugh it's time for a brand new installment of talking shiz about the lakers because braun asked us to that's right what do you call 12 millionaires around a tv watching the nba finals the answer the los angeles lakers Right now, I wanted to go ahead and take a few moments and talk about the energy that is uh, starting to form in the world of sports entertainment and a positive energy around one company in particular, and that is AEW, All Elite Wrestling. Uh, About three years now uh, as a company for AEW, and they are just coming off of their big pay-per-view a week ago, All Out in Chicago. Now, at All Out, we saw uh, what seemed to be a solid card, top to bottom, uh, but we also saw the debut of two new additions to AEW, and AEW has been adding to their roster like wildfire lately. The big additions coming out of All Elite are former NXT champion Adam Cole. Uh, Cole, of course, has had ties to the Young Bucks. the AEW Women's Champion, Britt Baker, is his fiance. So it was kind of a no-brainer that Adam Cole was going to show up in AEW once his NXT contract expired. And it recently uh, expired, I believe, about a month ago. Uh, Adam Cole did business right. He was a gentleman. He went out in a loss to Kyle O'Reilly at uh, NXT TakeOver. So Adam Cole handled his business well. And went to be with his friends, essentially, um, and his fiance. And you can't blame him for that, right? If you think about it, if you're doing something, uh, if I'm doing the same job, right, and they say, okay, you can do this job over here without your friends, or you can come over here and either make the same or more money doing this job with Shinto and Rick, and it's the same exact job, what do you think I'm going to do, right? I'm going to eventually take the job with Shinto and Rick, right? Because it's just, 
it, it makes sense. So Adam Cole makes sense, right? So especially when you figure there wasn't going to be much of a future for him on the main roster in WWE. He was uh, great in NXT, carried the brand for a long, long time. He was a favorite of Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Um, but even when it came down to the contract negotiations um, in AEW versus WWE, the rumor is that Bruce Pritchard's idea for Adam Cole on the main roster was to bring him to SmackDown as a heel manager, so not even as a wrestler, as a heel manager. So again, a lot of things, Adam Cole to AEW, pretty much a no-brainer. Then you get the other big one, right? And the big one is Brian Danielson, formerly known as Daniel Bryan in WWE. Multiple-time world champion, just a huge, huge star. Yes, has had you know health issues with his neck and everything else, but I mean, just main-evented WrestleMania against Edge and Roman Reigns. I mean, Daniel Bryan is a huge name in the industry, and for AEW to sign uh, Danielson, coming off the heels of signing CM Punk, is huge news. It definitely moves the needle. And there too, here's another scenario when you think about it. Daniel Bryan um, is the son-in-law of John Laurinaitis, who is head of talent relations for WWE, right? And and so now here he is in AEW. Like it, it is a a, a wild scenario, um, but AEW is definitely picking up momentum. And when you look at it, it is starting to remind me, and this is kind of the, the main crux of of the segment and what I wanted to talk about today, AEW is uh, reminding me of WCW in 1996. So when you think about the 80s and 90s, WWE pretty much ran a pose, right? Once they, once they took over the territories and, and became this big global uh, company, they pretty much ran unopposed. AWA and NWA didn't put up much of a fight. Uh, then Ted Turner comes in and purchases the National Wrestling Alliance, turns it into WCW. Um, and starts spending money. And of course, the first domino to fall, one of the biggest ones of all, is Hulk Hogan goes to WCW, right? And then you start to see, you know, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Randy Savage, Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, you know, Davey Boy Smith. Like, it just keeps, they just keep coming and coming and coming. All these stars that the WWE had built, they wanted something different. And they're being offered a lot of money and they started, they started to go. I think we're starting to see a similar instance here with AEW. Uh, AEW definitely the new kid on the block. As I said, about three years old. Tony Khan has money to spend, right now at least, has money to spend. And I don't think it's any secret that the WWE's product has gotten stale over the last 20 years. They've ran unopposed for the last 20 years. Um, and the product is, is a bit stale. They're not used to competition. They're kind of rinse and repeat on a lot of things. Um, they also had a very bloated roster because initially when AEW started, they didn't want to let anybody go. So they were signing basically everybody. WWE was offering everybody larger contracts to stay and it led to a very bloated roster. They then decided to make roster cuts because um, they realized it was fiscally smarter. Um, and I think WWE is at a point now where they realize um, it's time to create new stars and it's time to create 
fresh faces. So certain guys who have been there over the last 10 years, they become expendable, right, wrong, or otherwise. Some of them become expendable. Um, and I think WWE now is, is going to try it and push to create um, new stars. We'll see how that goes for them. WWE is definitely in the face, kind of like where they were, again, 95, 96, where they're going to try to create a new generation of superstars. But with that, there comes all the cuts. And there have been a lot of cuts to to the WWE roster, and AEW has reaped the rewards of that. I just want to go ahead and run off the names for you of everybody who is on the AEW roster that at some point in their career was a WWE guy, because I think it's important important to remember this. Um, so let me just go ahead and, and read to you. Now, let me also say this, because I talked about WWE's roster being bloated. I believe this is a cautionary tale for AEW, because AEW's roster currently sits at over 100 performers. That's a lot. And there's only so much TV time per week. And that roster currently sits at over 100 performers. And most contracts have not come up yet. Because again, it's only three. The company is only three years old. So they've yet to really have to go into renegotiations to stop anybody from going to WWE. So what you're seeing is a lot of people leaving WWE going to AEW, but we haven't seen anybody leave AEW yet for WWE. It's not to say that that's not going to happen down the road, though, because, again, this company's only three years old, and they're just maybe starting to come up on their first round of contracts. But anyway, here is a list of all the wrestlers competing for AEW that were uh, are and were essentially WWE guys. So here we go. Chris Jericho, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Miro, John Moxley, Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, Adam Cole, Alistair Black, Sting, Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood, Jake Hager, Lance Archer, Frankie Kazarian, Matt Hardy, Christian, Big Show, Sean Spears, Ruby Soho, Trent Beretta, Andrade, Colt Cabana, Billy Gunn, Matt Seidel, and Pac. That is roughly 20% of the AEW roster. So 20% of the AEW roster are former WWE guys. And what I think is important to remember, so you figure if that's 20, what did I just rattle off? 20 something guys out of about 100. There's another 80 guys, right, on that roster. So you think, oh, well, but here's the thing. That 20% is the top of the card in AEW, and they are relied heavily by AEW, so AEW right now is relying heavily on former WWE guys, and that's not a bad thing, but people need to appreciate the contributions of the WWE uh, and its developmental of these now AEW stars. Now, credit where credit is due, in a lot of instances, AEW is using these performers' talents better than WWE did. I will definitely give them credit for that. I mean, I look at Miro, Aleister Black. Um, they are being used way better uh, than they were in WWE. But the bottom line is their foundation was built in WWE. And everybody is so quick to trash the WWE and is so pro-AEW. 
listen, man, without the WWE, you don't have the entertainment that you have right now in AEW. You, you just, you, you don't. Um, and I, I think it just becomes a really interesting scenario. It's the same thing with WCW. You know, when, when all these guys picked up and left, you know, you don't have the biggest phenomenon in the industry, the NWO, doesn't happen if Scott Hall and Kevin Nash don't defect. Um, so, you know, people can bash WWE all they want, but WWE's roots and fingerprints are everywhere across the sports entertainment industry. Um, for AEW, there's there's a couple things I will say. Um, their momentum right now is strong. And again, it is very WCW-like in 1996. They are, they are pushing. They have the energy. They have the positivity. It's a good show. I mean, Dynamite has turned into a good show on Wednesday nights. They are very lucky in the sense that they have four performers who I believe the only thing creative has to do is give them an opponent. And then these guys can write the rest of the story because they're that good. And that is uh, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Christian, and Dustin Rhodes. Uh, those four men can literally, you just give them a name, and I guarantee creative can take the rest of the night off because those guys will just fill in whatever needs to be filled in. They're that good at what they do. I mean, I've always said, my opinion, there were three people who were born to wrestle, uh, and that is Kurt Angle, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning, and Dustin Rhodes. Um, so, and you know, Dustin is one of those four that I just mentioned that all creative has to do is give him an opponent, and he can fill in the rest of the blank. So AEW is extremely fortunate to have those guys on their roster. Um, you know, but I fear for, I fear a little bit with the bloating of the roster and there not being enough TV time. And, you know, they, they've got CM Punk now. They've got Brian Danielson. They're going to shoot up to the top of the card. We already see guys like Andrade being upset about being on Rampage. You know, Andrade was a huge signing for them at the time, but now there's been this influx of Malachi Black, um, CM Punk, Brian Danielson. So, you know, you see folks like Andrade, like John Moxley, moving down the card a little bit. And, you know, in Andrade's case, there's been some rumblings that he's upset about having to perform on Rampage, um, and, you know, the siphoning of the WWE roster may not be over, because Bray Wyatt was released, recently released by WWE, and there's strong rumors that he may be headed to AEW, now, there's also a school of thought out there saying not so fast, that Impact is going to make a huge push for Wyatt when he's available, um, when his 90-day no-compete is up, but, you know, there's a lot of folks that think Bray Wyatt could wind up in AEW, so then of course you know you, you've, you've got to think about his best friend John Huber. At one point, you know, was the head of the Dark Order. Does Bray do something with that? Matt Hardy in AEW. Do they rekindle you know their their friendship, their feud? Uh, that was great stuff. You know, uh, Woken Matt Hardy against Bray Wyatt was great stuff in the WWE. So that's very interesting. And then the other one that just to me looms very large is KO's contract is coming up. Kevin Owens' uh, contract is coming up in January. 
he has ties as well to Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. To me, that would be a tremendous loss for WWE. Now, there is still a chance for them to re-sign him, but I feel that the closer we get to the end date of his contract and we don't have a new contract, um, it starts to make me wonder and feel uh, if KO is possibly the next big defection to AEW. And, And that would be huge for AEW. Landing Kevin Owens... Would, would be, you know, massive for them. Um, but it's a matter of how does WWE feel? What is expendable to WWE right now? Um, and, and how willing are they to ride this wave of creating, you know, new stars? And AEW has a lot of, of energy and they're trying to, you know, develop people and we'll, we'll see what happens. I mentioned Miro earlier, uh, formerly Rusev in the WWE. They've done a wonderful job with Miro as TNT champion. I mean, for my money, Miro is a more compelling champion as a TNT champion than Kenny Omega is as an AEW champion. Uh, to me, again, it, he's just more compelling television. I, 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 to me, his match against Eddie Kingston at All Out was more compelling than, than Kenny Omega's match against Christian. Uh, again, no slight to Christian or to anybody else, but just when we're talking about compelling television, you know, I, I look at Miro, who has that WWE pedigree, and it's just to me, it's more compelling, and he's more and more, more of a convincing and compelling champion um, as AEW's own champion, heavyweight champion Kenny Omega. Um, you know, but there are those out there who love Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega was ranked number one by Pro Wrestling uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated as the number one wrestler of the year. Um, I don't personally see that. Uh, I think Roman Reigns has run circles around anybody uh, this year, and I'm a huge Bobby Lashley fan. I think Bobby Lashley has done a great job, um, but Roman Reigns, I think, has clearly ran circles uh, around everybody this year. And and that, here's the other thing too that I, I want to to convey, and this is how good of a job that that Roman Reigns has done, and how good of a show SmackDown is. Um, you know, and, and we can talk about how Raw is suffering because Raw, you know. WWE's rebranding NXT. I really wish they'd rebrand Raw. Raw needs to be freshened up. Raw needs a new logo. Raw needs a new color scheme. Raw needs a new feel, a new energy. It needs to look different from SmackDown. Um, it needs maybe that's where you bring your young stars in uh, and you let them chase after guys like Bobby Lashley. Um, but Raw needs something. I really wish they would have done a Raw rebrand before they did an NXT rebrand. But here we are. But anyway, SmackDown is doing so well. And for those who think that that AEW is, you know, pushing to be the number one company in professional wrestling, and for those who think that AEW is is on the heels of the WWE, um, it may seem like that when you listen to the fans. But now I want to give you kind of the reality check of it. And this is what I mean about my opinion that Roman Reigns is the number one guy in the industry because... The show that Roman Reigns is on, SmackDown, is red hot with 2.4 million viewers, while Dynamite draws 1.2 million viewers. So if you're keeping track and you're good at math, that's double the audience on Friday nights for SmackDown than for AEW Dynamite on Wednesday nights. And then if you look at AEW Rampage, which is on Friday night in a 10 o'clock time slot, 700,000 viewers. Um, so they're not even cracking the million point. Now, are Dynamite's 
are Wednesday night dynamites and Monday night draws numbers closer? Yes, they are. I, I will give them that. Uh, AEW Dynamite is a lot closer to Monday Night Raw. But again, when you're talking about top guys and you're talking about number one guys and you're looking at Roman Reigns and the show that he's on, I mean, 2.4 million viewers for SmackDown on a Friday night, a notoriously tough night on television, right, for TV ratings. Friday nights are notoriously sort of a wasteland for programming. Um, And WWE is drawing 2.4 million viewers. That's impressive. And that just goes to show you that while WWE may, WWE may be going through a roster transition, they're still the top dogs and they're still number one in the industry. And with guys, I mean, I'm telling you, with guys like Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley at, to- at the top of the two respective brands, I mean, you can't ask for much more. Those are two phenomenal performers who, I mean, sure, is the roster underneath them perhaps not used effectively um, or, you know, uh, in in the midst of a turnover? Maybe. Maybe, yes. But this is all going to be very interesting how it plays out. Um, Because, again, there's definitely energy behind AEW. I mean, I love what they're doing with Dan Lambert of uh, American Top Team. I mean, he is essentially... They're essentially using Dan Lambert uh, to, to as, a, as a WWE guy. I mean, he's essentially coming out and telling us, telling everything that a WWE fan or a WWE probably like employee would say about AEW. I mean, he just mocked them the other night after the uh, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole debuts. He just mocked Tony Khan for, you know, hiring every guy under 5'9 in the industry. Um, so, you know, he... He is a great character. They're doing some great things. Again, like I said, Miro, very compelling champion. Uh, Phoenix and Penta, now the tag team champions. Uh, I, a great tag team. I can't say enough. Penta, Penta is one of my favorite performers. Uh, you know, so they've got guys like Pac who you know can go. Um, there's going to be so much that they can do with Brian Danielson now and CM Punk. Um, it, it is making for compelling television. Uh, it is making Dynamite almost destination viewing on Wednesday nights, so kudos to them for that. Um, and there's an energy behind them. There's, this is an energy and a movement. Let's see how far this goes. Let's see if they can carry this. Again, you know, they've got, while the energy is growing and they're only three years old, they've got some hurdles ahead of them because, again, some of these first-round contracts are going to come up. And when you have a roster of 100 people, do you necessarily need to keep that many performers? And do you start letting people go? Do you start, you know, to my recollection, AEW has yet to release a person in their history. So, you know, what happens when either releases have to come or what happens when the first guy defects? You know, uh, if you remember, Chris Jericho was one of the first big names after WCW kind of made their run and, and sort of took over Monday nights from WWE, uh, Chris Jericho was the first kind of big name to defect the opposite way, to defect from, he was a WCW guy who defected to WWE, and that kind of changed momentum. Um, So, you know, when does that happen down the road, if it happens for AEW? You know, when does somebody from AEW jump ship to WWE that sends a big wave? Um, What's going to happen when they go to TBS? I think that's a huge concern. Because again, we're talking about what I say, 1.2 million viewers 
on TNT on Wednesday nights. Well, come January, they're going to move off of TNT to TBS. Uh, it's going to be a bit more of a challenge to get that 1.2 there. I think they can do it, but it's going to be hard work. They're, they're going to have to... Uh, they're, they're going to have to work for that. So that's, that's going to be an interesting hurdle. So, so, you know, there's some things coming up in the offing for AEW that could be hurdles. And, you know, again, WCW did it. They rolled that wave, but there comes that point where sometimes you ride in that wave for too long and it comes crashing down. Will that happen for AEW? We'll, we'll see. Again, WWE seems content to siphon off their roster right now and let people go. Uh, they don't seem concerned that all of this talent is going to AEW. I think perhaps they should be. Um, Again, I think they need to freshen up the program. They definitely need to create new stars and new faces. And I think a rebrand to Raw might definitely help. Um, You know, SmackDown has done phenomenal. Um, Really, since last year, SmackDown has kicked ass. um, And and it's really the best show on television right now. Uh, So, you know, we'll see where all this goes, but there was definitely some energy around AEW, and it is building. Uh, so I wanted to go ahead and talk about that, and we'll see. We'll see who their next big, you know, signee is. Uh, and, and the Kevin Owens thing is really interesting. I'm really curious to see what KO does if he decides to stay with WWE or uh, head to AEW once his contract expires in January. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I want to thank everybody for joining us this week and taking a little bit of time out of their schedule to listen to me and to listen to the show. It is uh, always greatly appreciated. Uh, We couldn't do this without you. And uh, I definitely appreciate the continued growth of our listenership and the continued growth of random thoughts and best regards. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot say it enough. Uh, Come on back next week for a brand new episode. And in the meantime, remember, tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes. Stay positive, test negative. Do what you know is right, regardless of the choices others make. Say I love you, stay safe, stay healthy, and be kind to one another. Don't count the days, make the days count. Remember to look down the side streets, because that's where the best stories are. And when you come to the fork in the road, take it. Thanks for listening to my dad's show.